Hi, I'm Jennifer Wild, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. Hi, it is Sober Exposure. We have another edition Another week, another doctor. <laughs> Again, you know, we've been, I don't know, I don't know if you know, but I've been on a roll. I've been interviewing uh, all types of different doctors because, uh, well, last season we were just talking to, you know, the regs, the norms. Well, nobody's actually normal, but this uh, season seems to be all the pros. So all of my episodes that have to do with ADHD, I, I am fielding questions people call they reach out to me for months afterwards it is such a hot topic and i met dr j because we were dealing with my adhd and then we realized that we have so much in common as far as mental health advocacy and where he is there's just so much to talk to about you so i had to have you on and uh welcome to the show thank you so much for coming on it's the pleasure's all mine jen thank you for having me so let's start with, um, okay, you're a doctor. What kind of doctor are you? <laughs> so Everyone's I'm a doctor just, now, right? Uh, I, I, I used I, to work with a DJ. They called themselves Dr. Uh, doctor, I don't want to say her name because I want to insult her. But, you know, she'd go on the air like she's a doctor. I mean, right. she's a doctorate in, like, political science. Meanwhile, she's talking about, you know, medicine. So anyway, <laughs> tell gotcha, us. Gotcha. <laughs> well, so as you already know, Jen, I'm a psychiatrist and I have a, a specialty in child psychiatry. So I uh, went to the University of Florida for my adult psychiatry training and then went to um, UF again also for the child psychiatry fellowship. Hmm. What, so what is it that attracted you to, I mean, it's hard enough to try and get through adults' heads, but trying to get through <laughs> a, a young child's head? Are you kidding? Were you not? Well, like what attracted you to um working with either with obviously i'm kidding is so important but yes well no i mean it's a really good question jen in fact like when i got into the field i didn't even think i'd be doing child psychiatry to be honest with you you know for Mm -hmm. me you know it's uh it was an extra um two years technically but fortunately i had a fast track where i was only um able to complete the whole training program within five years otherwise it would have been six years so Mm -hmm. so you know there was a definitely some hesitancy in going into it but after finishing child fellowship and after practicing for some time now, no regrets. You know, I'm, I'm so happy to be working with kids and adults. And, and I see the whole age range from young kids to, to um, um, really elderly adults. Okay. So you do everything, but you do have a little specialty with, with the children, which, I mean, we have so many moms and dads and grandparents and even older siblings um, that have children in their lives. Yep. And... You know, I have a few questions and I want to see where you stand with this. So do you, okay, so kids are often diagnosed with ADHD. Mm -hmm. So what is the difference between being diagnosed with ADHD and just being maybe an undisciplined kid? Okay, I'm going to give you a couple. So there's that. So how do we know? We'll start with that. Because it feels like everybody, yeah, I, I had a girl on here about a year ago in this way. I said to her, I was like, everybody's ADHD, everybody's kids ADHD, they're, it's overdiagnosed. And as a matter of fact, these soccer moms, they want their kids to have the diagnosis because then they can get the extra help, you know? Gotcha. So then when you really do have a, a child that's, that's suffering 
with this debilitating disorder. Yeah. You know, so it's so overdiagnosed. This girl freaked out. She was like, how could you say that? It's not diagnosed enough. There's not enough awareness. I'm like, listen, I feel like I do raise awareness, but I also feel like it, whatever. Anyway, that was my question. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic question. And and it's, uh, you know, obviously the overdiagnostic part, that's not good. But at the same time, there's a lot of underdiagnoses as well, right? A lot of kids who have been struggling with ADHD for so long, they don't get diagnosed until a decade, two decades later. And, and or so misplaced, misplaced mm -hmm. diagnosis too, which we talked about. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what it usually comes down to, this is what I tell all my patients. It all goes back to the individual. Like what, what is the individual experiencing and how much impairment in functioning, how much um, reduction in quality of life is actually being experienced by the individual. And, and ultimately this is where we have to come in as a psychiatrist to kind of figure out what that threshold is for ADHD versus no, it's not ADHD. And, and there's some scales and tools that we use to help us with that. Um, one example is the Vanderbilt rating scale. Another one is the, the SNAP4 rating scale. But but ultimately what it comes down to, and you know, a lot of people are kind of shocked when I say this, it's a clinical diagnosis. I mean, it's something that we have to talk about in our history as I take the history from the patient, talk about their past. So you can't just do the test. I can't just do the test. And however the test comes out, the diagnosis, you have to really do some, sp spend some time with the patient. That's what you're saying. Yep. Yep. You got it. You got it. And there's even like um, some um, computerized testing um, platforms that we can use to help with the diagnosis of it. But even then, even if it's a positive result at the end of the day, it's still up to the clinician to be able to diagnose the disorder. And, and the reason I like that, I actually like that a lot because I mean, at the end of the day, one thing that I love to talk about too, Jen, is this is the brain we're dealing with. This is the mind. It's a yeah. very vast, complex thing. It's not as simple as the other organ systems in our body, right? Um, one of my old supervisors used to tell me, and and you know, and I love this analogy. It it, it describes this so perfectly. The heart is kind of like Kenya, right? The yeah. lungs it's kind of like Canada. The brain, the mind, it's the deep blue sea. Yeah, right. Just yeah. right. And then, yeah, yeah. No idea and, what's going on there. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, it's so much of it is, yeah, yet to be explored. But we do know some things, right? And, and that's why it comes down to the clinical interview and, and making sure that we get the history and all the different components family's input, mom and dad's right. input, brother's input. Um, and, and ultimately, and especially the patient's input. Um, and I, like, this is where also the misdiagnosis comes a lot, especially with kids too, because maybe it's something else. Maybe it isn't, maybe it's like, okay, so this is what I'm, I'm just going to say it, the big pink elephant and in, in, in the word, I know that ADHD and bipolar disorder can look very similar. <laughs> so yeah. how do you decipher between the two? Because I know they're treated differently, correct? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's also a fabulous question. So when it comes to bipolar disorder and ADHD, bipolar disorder, it's, um, it's characterized by something we call either a hypomanic episode or a manic episode. Hypomanic episodes are four or more days of, of a couple of different symptoms, and, and it's usually quite pronounced compared to your normal daily routine, daily baseline. And, and that's why I think there's um, unfortunately too many misdiagnoses of bipolar disorder. Um, a, lot, a lot of times the history isn't um, really kind of pinpointed in terms of, okay, how many days has this episode been going on and, and what kind of you know, behaviors are we seeing? Uh, a lot of times are reckless behaviors. A lot of times mm -hmm. they're grandiose type behaviors. What's interesting about ADHD is that there's no particular 
distinct period of time where that episode happens. ADHD is an everyday condition, something that you deal mm. with constantly. <laughs> So if you're like on the high upswing of bipolar, of your bipolar disorder every day, then you're more yep. likely to be ADHD. Yeah. If it's so, consistent every single day. And, and there's even a little bit of um, fine tuning even there too, Jen, because, you know, there's some um, disorders uh, in, in the bipolar spectrum, like mixed state bipolar. Some people can be in a very um, hyper state for a long, longer period of time. So it, it can be kind of, you know, it, it ultimately it comes it's, down to the interview. It's not cookie cutter. <laughs> the history. Yeah. It's not cookie cutter. And, and, and that's, that's honestly why I love psychiatry. And, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about it. It's the fun. It's really frontier. cool. That's why I love it too, because yeah. one size does not fit all, you know, exactly. and, and that's, that's the reason why, you know, this podcast is so interesting because no, someone, <laughs> someone's listening, they're being like, oh, you think Jen, do you? But, uh, is because, you know, there's so many facets. It started, we started doing sober exposure to talk about recovery from alcoholism and, and addiction, but yep. so much of it, you know, turned into talking about the brain and all of the disorders like okay here's one which came first because we do have a lot of addicts listening so it's also like which came first the chicken or the egg because yep. i'm i'm all of it so i have adhd and i i was also diagnosed um well i was also an addict at a very young age yeah and the reason why i started using substances so early was because i was self-medicating i was self-medicating my adhd gotcha Gotcha. And, and, and unfortunately, that's the case for a lot of people, Jen. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, not going to lie to you, you know, I have ADHD too. And then I think that's what really kind of propelled me into this profession. You know, it's like when, when you struggle with it, right, it's it's a whole other story because, you know, especially when you don't get treatment. And that's another thing I wanted to kind of mention too. Yeah, we, we have to talk about that. But I don't, I, I just, I, I got to point this out, how amazing it is that you're saying you're, you're saying here that you you know struggled and suffered with adhd and what i want to say is if you're the parents a mother like me of someone else with a, you know a child with adhd it just yeah. shows you you can still do it you can push through your you you went through medical school <laughs> with adhd seriously how the hell did you manage to do that because you were so focused right on just that Jen, I, I still have no idea. <laughs> and, and, and in fact, in fact, I, I you know, I, I really wish I got diagnosed so many years ago because if I did, life would have been so much easier. <laughs> wow. No. Wow. So yeah. So when were you diagnosed? So so I was actually no joke, I was actually diagnosed um in my second year of fellowship. And and it's so sad because uh, I was, you know, again working with all these people with ADHD and and here I was just trying to like, you know, like get everything organized, trying to get everything like done on time. You're like, and wait a minute, I have this shit. Exactly. What I <laughs> exactly. And and so when I when I finally and you know what you know what's so funny about ADHD, John? This is a this is one of the other things I've uh, kind of seen. Isn't it so interesting how a lot of mental health disorders they kind of um they uh, basically they, they kind of feed on itself, right? So for example, the ADHD, one of the common um, symptoms is forgetfulness or, or okay. you know, a lot of procrastination, you know, not able to follow through on tasks in a timely fashion. And, and so if that's the symptom of the, the diagnosis, right? What if one of the tasks was to get a psychiatric evaluation, right? What if one of the tasks was to actually get help for your ADHD? Ironically, or I guess not, like it kind of feeds on itself, right? Like so, the disorganization, the procrastination, leads to to, to the person further and further getting behind, and then 
And then do they ever get to that appointment? Do they ever get to the, you know, they the, don't get diagnosed years exactly. and years and years. Exactly. You just described my brother and okay. like, seriously. Yeah. God, God love him, you know, but he has such debilitating men illness oh why am i i'm like whispering like you didn't like like you can't rewind it mental illness so debilitating yeah. that yeah. it's like um it's like you don't understand i just can't even get to the appointment there's yeah. no way exactly like, yeah. exactly it's it's incredible how the illness itself can jeopardize your ability to get better and and that's like one of the most frustrating yet very true things about mental health depression is another great example right yeah so, and addiction yeah but go okay. ahead keep going with the depression go with the oh, depression first and, and addiction as well great example depression you know here we are with this condition that causes low energy you don't have any motivation you don't want to get out of bed you can't get out of bed your brain just won't let you right and and what's wild about that is well if you can't get out of bed if you can't do the things that you need to do in life what else is going to happen might miss some bills you might get into financial stress you might get into job stress you might get into family stress right and what does that do it's going to make your depression worse and it's just the cycle that that feeds on itself and it's so sad right and, and that's the truth for so many other mental illnesses like you said addiction right and, and, and a lot of times and this is kind of going back to your your um, prior question jen mm -hmm. when it comes to you know chicken or the egg right what, what came first what's interesting is so ADHD, uh, the data on it, if you have untreated ADHD, you are twice as like, likely to, to develop a substance use disorder compared to the, the normal or average population, right? Yeah. And, and so what, what's so interesting is this kind of gets into this whole deep blue sea kind of thing again, right? It's, it, it's, it's incredible how ADHD is just part of the puzzle addiction. There's a neurocircuitry there that unfortunately influences people to to drink or or use whatever substance it is way more than than they should or than they than than they you know it, you know obviously can um tolerate handle right and, yeah yeah and 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 it's you know a lot of times like i i see depression uh uh um coincide with um uh addiction i, I see adhd coincide with addiction and and you can kind of already see the puzzle gets really complex right it's not just one um or the other and, and i think that's one thing that we have to work on um as um as a psychiatric field right like i think in this field especially we have to um you know be okay with the the gray area the gray spectrum of of really what this is it's the ocean that we're dealing with it, it, it yeah. can't be categorized and so what i tell patients is it, you know we don't want to think about it as either this or that or that we want to think about it as that and that and that and many and many more for instance that and that so wait <laughs> I, I that might be worse so wait you have that and that and that exactly instead so, of instead of you have say that the first one this or that or that oh, you have for, this or oh i get it okay i love it that's so important yes so right yeah so i, I don't know it could be bipolar it could be depression it could be this it could be i don't know could be all of the above and maybe right. some other maybe some other things too and and so another good example of that is depression right so is it just the the brain chemistry in our, our brain that causes our, our 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 diagnosis of depression i mean a lot of people um will easily tell you right that you know they can take all the antidepressants in the world and, and and they can go through all these different treatments but if they don't do therapy if they don't talk about some of the things that are bothering them in their life you know it just just doesn't help right or it's it doesn't not help as much. it's still 
even some people that do the cognitive therapy with it, it still doesn't help, which exactly. brings me to, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm like non-responsive to so, so much. I, I haven't really been responsive to much when it comes to my depression. Yeah. Ketamine therapy has helped me a lot. And awesome. so ketamine therapy, and I know that ketamine therapy is offered where you are at Cornerstone, which yep. also, okay, so we're going to talk about all this real quick. Not sure. real quick, but so we have the ketamine therapy. We have Cornerstone, um, where you guys who who found actually the founder of Corner, Cornerstone was trying to help people that have mental health issues mm-hmm. and are broke like me. That's how I found you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, and but but you know that's that's a huge issue. I'm so glad you bring this up because that's one thing that we're really passionate about with Cornerstone. So Dr. Edinson, Mark Edinson, he's the founder mm-hmm. of Cornerstone Psychiatric Care, and we're primarily the Ketamine Infusion Center. Um, um, uh, our nurse practitioner Jessica Shepley, she's the president of the company. The two have been so helpful to the community of Palm Beach Gardens. I mean, you know, and and, and many you know of the surrounding cities. Uh, people who have tried all these different treatments, all these different medicines, they finally can, you know, finally get relief from their trauma, from their PTSD, from their depression. Uh, and, and the best part, so one thing that I've talked to Dr. Anson about is, you know, and something that he's very passionate about is how do we make this affordable? How do we actually, you know, get this um, to the people that, that need it, right? But they, they can't afford it. And so, so we're one of the um, centers in Florida that has insurance that we can take in patients' insurance to kind of reduce the costs of the treatment. Wow. Otherwise, a lot for of- For the ketamine, tre- you're talking about for the ketamine therapy, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You got it, yep. Yeah, because it's out of pocket. No, it's, it. you can't, uh, TMS, it's getting better with the TMS with insurance. TMS is that other stuff I did, uh, I did TMS last year. And it's okay. It's it's also another great great avenue for someone yeah. that's non-respondent to depression. Uh, for me, not not you know, it 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 was okay, but yeah, yeah. insurance and, is lightening up on that. Is yeah, it because it is. yeah yeah right right? See with the TMS. Now, do you think it's because ketamine is like a drug and it's still kind of frowned upon? And yes, and no, I mean, I, I think that, and so that's another thing that I'm, I'm glad we're talking about, Jen, the stigma, right? The stigma of mental health, but also the, the treatments for, for our mental health disorders, right? A great example is ADHD and stimulants, right? Stimulants have this really bad rep, but if used appropriately for the right condition for the right person, it can be life-saving. I mean, just going back to the stats again, right? Substance use is twice as likely yeah. if you have ADHD that's untreated. So, so again, um, but then going back to um, the ketamine part of it, yeah, it has this um, negative reputation, right? Because of it being a street drug, but we're obviously not using it as a street drug. We're using it as a mm-hmm. medicine. And that's another thing I love talking to patients about. Every medicine has the potential to be a poison, right? And, 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 and the reason for that is because side effects or drug-drug interactions or whatnot, they can, they can reduce or, or um, worsen your quality of life, right? That's not right. the thing that we want. If a medicine is helping more than it's hurting, then it's medicine. If it's hurting more than it's helping, it's poison. I love that. That's beautiful. I, I you know, and it's a great gauge because I come from a world where um, I was taught a certain way. So some of the things I'm doing in my life right now as an addict yeah. is is frowned upon by many. Okay. okay. Choices I make to certain medications that I believe I have helped <laughs> me you know, cope. So I'm not on the street or I'm not dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they help me cope. 
So yeah. there's some people in the recovery world that don't consider me sober. Do I look like I'm fucked up right now? Do I look like a, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> and, and, and so, so uh, thank you so much for sharing that, Jen. And so, yeah. you know, let me tell you this, right. So <laughs> stigma, it's incredible how pervasive it is. There's even professionals in the medical community that still stig stigmatize mental illness. Right. And, and ah, it's just so sad because no one can deny this. The brain and the mind, it, it all comes from the same place, right? And the brain is just as much of an organ as anything else in our body. And, and so mental health, mental illness, honestly, sometimes I wish like even that, that phrase would kind of just not be used anymore. What if we just call it brain disease, right? Why, why like can't that, yeah. right? Why can't we just call it something like really, literally what it is? And, and so, so the stigma, that's something that actually is another thing that kind of perpetuated, perpetuated me into to being a psychiatrist. I'm not gonna lie to you, you know, growing up Indian. So my, my parents are from India. There's not really uh there's not a really good opinion of mental health, uh, in, in the Indian culture. Yeah. Strict. And, yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then, and then also when I was struggling as a kid with ADHD, I also have OCD, OCD too, struggle with OCD and ADHD. Mm. And it's mm -hmm. another thing we can talk about later. It's, you know, yeah. it's, it's a that'll be another episode we'll have to do another episode on that we are oh. running out yeah can i tell you how quick these 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 episodes go like we're almost out of time but oh, well. yeah but so growing up in the culture that you grew up in that definitely is not accepted yeah oh definitely not <laughs> right and 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 because of that and also too because of the lack of awareness lack of knowledge and again i, I don't um you know i used to um, when I was younger, as a kid, I used to you know, have a little bit of bitterness towards my parents because I was just like, like, you know, I wish I could just get help. Right. I wish I could have gotten help so much uh, sooner. But, but what's so interesting to me, the older I got, the more and more I realized like just how pervasive stigma is and not just that, but stigma prevents the, the knowledge of, of awareness of mental health. Right. It prevents right. people from being able to actually learn about it too. And so to kind of tie it back to what you've been experiencing, like with um, addicts in the community, you know, it, it's it's sad because you're working on yourself. You're getting better. You can see that you're not as as you're not struggling as much as it used to. Mm. Right. You're, you're improving your life. You're moving in the right direction. And that's at the end of the day, that's all we're trying to do. That's that's everybody's goal in life, just to be a better version of themselves as we keep going and going. Right. And and so so the stigma that stigmatization it's something that resonates with me and i'm just so sorry to hear that you're you know dealing with that too and and ultimately it comes back to if a medicine is helping more than it's hurting then it's it's a medicine that's what i'm going to name the episode and that's what i think you need to call your book <laughs> seriously <laughs> i mean that is like there's there's a couple phrases that have been coined on this podcast and you've just coined one yes that's that's a, a me I, I love it <laughs> It's so great, especially for an addict. You know what I mean? That Aww. is just a, a great way to gauge. And we have, I mean, I could talk to you forever. We didn't even get to half of what I wanted to get to. Like, Aww, that's okay. you know, I, I mean, we, we could talk about, I, I don't even want it because this would turn into a political thing anyway about the healthcare and how hard it is and how, what, how tough it is to get kids into treatment. Uh, Dr. Jay's an advocate of all of that. He works very hard to Absolutely. to help people to get the treatment that they need 
So do yeah. you do virtual stuff if someone's listening and if they're not in the Palm Beach area? And oh, they absolutely. Wanna, so how do we find you? Tell everyone how. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so, I'm, 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 so I work with uh, Cornerstone Psychiatric Care. I'm in the, I, you know, so I kind of run the outpatient uh, side of things in, in that company. Um, mm. So um, if you go to the uh, Cornerstone Psychiatric Care website, you'll easily be able to find me. And then our, our intake coordinator, Rafi, will be able to um, get you on the, the schedule and then we can start helping you love Rafi. Yeah. yeah yeah and if you're interested in ketamine therapy that can only be done in office mm -hmm. that's correct yeah. and, and a lot of times um patients who see me i you know do therapy with them i do medicine mm -hmm. management and if they you know if they're still having trouble with their depression or whatever illness they're still, they're still struggling with i can be helpful with ketamine a lot of times we you know we do refer them to dr Edinson and and, and nurse shepley and that way you know we can kind of focus on the thing that I always love to talk about, the deep blue sea, it, it, this, it's vast. Yeah. We have to look at all the, the different ways that we can help this person. The brain's not so simple, right? And and actually that's another thing too, like, like going back to, to depression, right? It's not just brain chemistry, it's it's your family, it's your relationships, it's your sleep, it's your appetite, it's your, you know, your hobbies, it's your it's your job. It, it, it All of this stuff plays a role and it gets endless and endless, just like the ocean. Mm. I love that analogy too. Such a powerful episode with so much information. And I, I hope to have you back before the end of the year, really, because oh, there's. Uh, I think we have a part two in us. Oh, I definitely I, I think could, we have a part two in us. I couldn't agree more. There's so much more I want to share with you, Jen. And, and, and you know, I can't thank you enough for you know inviting me on. And it's such a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Dr. J Cornerstone, me, Jennifer Wild, Sober Exposure. We'll have all the information if you want to reach Dr. J. Thank you so much again. You're most welcome. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast.